we haven't seen a storm like this in 40 years in Egypt. Oh, wow. And if you don't leave like within the next hour, you won't be able to get back to Cairo. Welcome to Interviews with Travel Families, where every Friday we ask travel families how they do it. We ask what style of travel they do, what they do for a living, how they save money while they travel, and what they feel is the most important advice they can give. If you join us on YouTube, please join us in the comments section to tell us more about yourselves and your travel dreams. If you're joining us on our podcast, sit back, learn, and enjoy. So today we're meeting yet another family that's living our dream. The Wandering Waggers have over 20 countries listed on their website as a family. And I think personally, it's about double that. Uh, Kevin, Christina, and their two boys all share their experiences traveling the world so that we can learn from them as they travel. So if you're listening to this podcast or watching on YouTube, is there a place in the world either that you've been to or want to go to that not a lot of people talk about? Where is it? Tell us in the comment section below. Thank you so much for joining us, Kevin. Where are you talking to us from today? I am talking to you from my home office here uh, just outside the city of Toronto. Kids are at school. My wife is at work and I, this is the quietest time of my day. Oh, nice. <laughs> Perfect. So for the folks who might be listening in Nova Scotia, mm-hmm. Kevin is one of the, one of the people that are still left in Ontario. Right. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people did bail. This is yeah. true. Yeah. <laughs> we would like to just start off with you telling us a little bit about you, your family, maybe your favorite kind of travel story, a little bit about your traveling and how it kind of got started. Why don't we start with, how it all got started because it's an easy way to segue into everything else. So I, when I first met my wife, uh, I wasn't a traveler. I wasn't someone who was particularly interested in travel thing, but she was. And she let me know very early on that if I wasn't going to join her on some of these adventures, then, you know, my place in the relationship would be left on the curb. So she, she, <laughs> she, she took me out on a few trips and uh, really pushed me out of my comfort zone, introduced me to things that I'd never experienced before. And it didn't take long for me to become hooked because once you get out and you see a few things, you realize kind of what a bubble you'd really been living in. Mm-hmm. For, uh, you know, we got married and had kids, you know, we had been to probably 12 or 15 countries together and traveling around and having a good time. Nice. And, uh, you know, every place that we visited, we just fell in love with it a little bit more and just wanted to travel more. Once we had our first son back in 2011, we kind of had to make a hard choice is, you know, a lot of people say when you become a parent that traveling becomes more challenging and difficult and, and energy intensive and things like that. And, you know, we kind of expected that, but we said, we've loved this so much that we want to show that to them. We want to, we want to take our kids and introduce them earlier to the kind of life that we've grown to love so much. We hit the ground running with our, with our first son. And, you know, by the time he was one, he had already been to three countries and toured around quite a bit. With our younger son, who's just turned eight the other day, he's now been to, I think, 19 or 20 countries. Every year, we try to hit more until obviously we hit uh, the hard stop in 2020. Uh, we're looking forward to uh, to getting back on the road because we're all itching now. We've, we've had so many great adventures that pausing is hard and it's uncomfortable and kind of makes you realize you know, how much the itchy feet syndrome really sits in. As far as the kind of travel that we like to do, we really base our 
all of our travel experiences on three pillars that we feel makes up an awesome trip. Culture, education, and adventure. Every time we pick a destination, we want to make sure that we learn about the culture and the people and the history of the destination that we're going to so that we can come away feeling like we appreciate them more and their relationship to us in a more substantial way. Education, because we take our kids out of school a lot for travel. Uh, we believe that travel is a very, very important part of personal, mental, and emotional growth. Right. So we want to make sure that every place that we go, we learn something. We learn something about the people. We learn something about ourselves. We learn history. We learn geography. We learn architecture. And the last thing is adventure. That's where the fun sits in, you know, whether it's sandboarding, racing dune buggies, or hiking, camping, riding camels to the desert, or whatever. We want to have that wow factor that thrill that gives you those experiences you really remember nice nice that's, yeah. that's awesome we need pillars that's true actually like that's <laughs> that, that, pillars that are great put them down we're just gonna steal yours they're open for the taking nice. that's awesome. <laughs> what you just said was all incredibly amazing and i think when families watch or listen because we have this in a podcast form as well as on youtube whether they're you're watching or you're listening my guess is that most families come back to that idea of like but how how are you doing this how are you paying to bring your kids all over the world and do all these adventures i'd like to jump in and just straight up ask how do you make it work i think what it really came down to for us because you know as anyone knows travel is not an inexpensive thing to do but it doesn't have to break the bank the idea of the instant Instagram culture where everyone sees people doing all these incredible things. But what we don't see is the tough stuff. You don't see, you don't see the times that the four of us were sleeping in two single beds in the Philippines <laughs> on a floor covered in water because the plumbing in the bathroom was broken. Oh, and no. <laughs> um, oh no. Okay. You know, things happen and yeah. it's a matter of making it a priority. And I think when you see people who travel, you realize that they make sacrifices outside of travel mm. in order to make that a reality. Having a memorable experience with my family is more important than having a nice TV, a hundred cable channels, a great car. Those are all secondary to the experience of life. If you approach travel in a way that says, I want to have experiences and I want to build memories, then it doesn't matter if you're doing it a hundred feet from your front door or a thousand miles. You can be hiking a nearby conservation area and finding a waterfall that you'd never heard of before. It always has to start somewhere, but it comes down to getting that spark ignited in your heart so that you want to go without those other things in order to have those great experiences. My route took a unique turn. I started my life in marketing and advertising. I started writing about my travels because I wanted a place to share all the photos that I took traveling with, with my wife and kids. And I was able to leave my work and start running my own business talking about travel. I got super lucky. You know, not to say it wasn't a tremendous amount of work. The truth is, is none of that would have started if I hadn't made those sacrifices at first and just said, this is what I want to do. And this is what I love. And this is Christina and I looking at each other and saying, this is what we love. This is what, what we want to do and having that partnership and that understanding. Once you do that and once you take that step, you find ways to make it work. So we did mention that the COVID big stop 
but sort of pre-COVID <laughs> and sort of your plans for post-COVID, how often in a year do you travel or plan to travel? My family is probably traveling either locally or internationally over a hundred days a year. You know, it could be anything from weekend trips or going on a big two, three, four week trip to Europe or Egypt or whatever. Obviously that's a lot smaller now. We've just mm. kind of started traveling within Ontario and within Quebec over the last kind of month and a half. For us, the big thing with that is just making sure that our kids are safe. My wife and I are both vaccinated. We, we feel confident about our ability to travel now, but our kids aren't trying to make sure that everyone around us and everyone that we have the potential to visit is as protected as possible. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. With us, before all the COVID stuff happened, we had plans in 2020 to start to do world traveling. One of the things that, so we waited it out. I mean, like, of course, like the first year, nobody knew anything. Like, like there was no vaccines, you just had no idea what was happening. But once vaccines started to roll out, that's when we decided to make our move to Nova Scotia. And it was a way for us to be able to enjoy the Atlantic bubble and explore a part of Canada that we've just never seen before. Still wanted to be able to travel. I mean, it is local travel in the sense that we are here permanently. And so we're seeing the area, but it's still new to us because we've never mm -hmm. lived here before. Right? Still get that tourist experience. Mm -hmm. Now, I mean, with the talk of hopefully having a vaccine for younger kids coming out, starting to think like is there a way for us to be able to do international travel in some in some way I, I can tell you that once our kids are vaccinated there will be a flight book in very short order we had to cancel three international trips and we had to leave one destination early i actually have a kind of a funny story about getting out of egypt with any luck 2022 is going to be the year that we all get back on our feet i want to hear this egypt story yeah well some of the best stories that we come back with are the ones that in the moment feel really hard and sometimes even awful but when we come back those are like the stories we often want to tell people we've had some amazing times and a lot of disasters in march 2020 we went on a trip to egypt our kids are super into mythology you know egyptian mythology norse mythology greek mythology we knew the whole covid thing was kind of happening but you know it mentioned the confusion earlier and no one exactly knew mm -hmm. how bad it was and how quickly it was going to spread and things like that and uh, and we went there everything was great for the first three quarters of the trip all of a sudden the trip just took a Oof. just a, a header right off a cliff and it started in the town of siwa which is this oasis town in the western desert and it is probably one of the coolest places i've ever visited if you nice. ever get a chance to go to egypt Please go to Siwa. It's so hard to get to. Oh. You have to drive eight hours on this highway with potholes that will swallow a small bus. Once you get there, it is incredibly beautiful with wonderful people, awesome history. We spent a couple of days exploring this town. We didn't get into the town until about one o'clock in the morning. The next day we go out, we're touring. One more day, we go out in the desert, we're sandboarding, we're swimming in the thermal pools and things like that. It's absolutely gorgeous. And then all of a sudden, the tour company that we were working with there gives us a call. As a company called Traveline Egypt, they were absolutely amazing. So they're like, hey, we, we've got a problem and you've got to leave like now. And uh, we're like, okay, what like what's up? And they said, there's a storm coming in. We haven't seen a storm like this in 40 years in Egypt. Oh, wow. And if you don't leave like within the next hour, 
you won't be able to get back to Cairo because the roads will be flooded for probably the next week. We're like, okay, all right, let's uh, let's let's get out of here. So we, you know, we throw everything in the car as quick as we can, hit the road, and it was about uh, close to eight nine o'clock at night. Uh, it was about a thirteen-hour drive to Cairo. <sighs> By about one o'clock, the rain started. We get to Cairo, and everything was okay. Where every everyone's safe. And the next day is just a write-off because the streets of of Cairo were just full of water and the next day we drove out to Hergada, which is about an eight hour drive the other direction oh, a lot of driving <laughs> tired of the road and it was then just as we were kind of losing service going into the desert that we heard that there was an announcement coming from the Canadian government and an announcement coming from the Egyptian government. And then we lost all service oh, for no. the next oh, five no. hours. And we get to Hergada, beautiful oceanside resort with a great pool and no one there and buffets, retreats, and it was phenomenal. All we could think of as soon as we got there was, okay, what did the announcements say? Justin Trudeau here in Canada was saying, okay, now is about the time that you all need to think about coming home if you want to make it. The Egyptian president said, we're shutting all of the air space down in 24 hours so oh, right, then you will be staying here we started looking for flights so we found that that there was four seats left on the very last light out of Cairo before the airport shut down we managed to get the last flight out from Cairo to London and then the next day managed to get a flight from London back to Toronto or Montreal I can't remember which but we got we got very lucky we were so close to not making it out that Christina and I were starting to look for long-term Airbnbs just in case we had to live there for a while we made it everything everything worked out but it was by the skin of our teeth yeah, you almost had, had a, you almost had a travel channel of uh, living in Egypt for eight months eh? Yeah, it was very close to that. We were in deep preparation for what is it going to be like living in uh, in Egypt. Okay, wow, that is really that is yeah. really interesting. What work does Christina do that kind of allows you guys to have a bit of freedom to do travel and things like that? Christina works in contract research, so she does a lot of work on studies, nutraceuticals, and pet foods and things like that. And she's able okay. to do that from around from the world, kind of like or does she just? Uh, well, she. she she, she has an office, but luckily uh, she's in a position that offers her some flexibility to explore. So we're trying to interview with people who have different means of, of traveling, right? So some people might be full-time travelers and have mm -hmm. like full income from whatever they're doing that way. Or even some people, you know, sold everything and started. <laughs> and just start, you know, figuring it out as they go. Or some people had some work when they went or there's a million different ways that people find a way to yeah. travel. Some full-time, some part-time, some local, some internationals. We're definitely trying to get a full spectrum of ideas because lots of families want to be able to travel. Some of them probably see all the full-time travelers and think that they just, that's what they have to do. Or some people think like, I'd love to do it, but I only have this amount of time and don't know how to just like take advantage of the time that they have perhaps. And and it's nice for people to probably think about the different types of jobs that you can do that could be flexible. So that's really cool that that's what Christine has. Yeah, we live in a, in a world now, I think, where the idea of you know, remote work and things like that has never been stronger than it has been before. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, it kind of came down to running the websites was this idea of, oh, maybe we can fund some of our travel. Now, luckily, it's a position where it's it's a full-time job for me. It's the kind of job where I can work from anywhere. I could, as long as I've got an internet connection, we're both in different situations in terms of 
our accessibility to travel, but we work together to try to find ways to make it work as best as possible. I think one of the things that people often wonder is how long did it take you to get to a place with your blog? You had it as like basically a full-time income for yourself. When I started, it was fairly casual. I started the blog in 2015. And in 2018 is when I left work behind and said, all right, I think I think I can make a go of this. I think I can actually do this a job. 2019 was really good for us. 2020 sucked. And 2021 has been the best year I've ever had. Oh, um, really? That's interesting. So yeah, I am 100% in the position now where I can support myself very comfortably, which is a nice, nice place to be. Would you say that 2020, because it's, so, it's kind of surprising because I feel like, <laughs> like travel's just starting. I guess, right? Because I know yeah. 2020 was hard. And I've seen that from so many travel bloggers, just people like or travel influencers or travel anything, right? Everything just like, yeah, every for new 2020, travel. which makes sense because nobody can do it. So do you find that like a lot of your traffic is for international stuff or for your Ontario? Um, uh, it, it's a good mix of both. Most of the content on my website is Ontario and Canada focused because that, that's where I live. I do a lot of travel within the country. I love my country. I love the places. There's so much stuff to do here. A lot of my focus is on those places that people dream of visiting or maybe haven't thought of as a place to dream of visiting yet. We travel to a lot of places that not a lot of people think of. Luckily for me, not a lot of people write about those places, so I do really well for them. You know, a lot of people go to Egypt to see the pyramids. Not a lot of people go to see the Western Desert because it's harder. So I get this unique perspective that's usually outside of my own typical travel lifestyle approach. I talk about getting outside and doing the same kind of travel that any one of us would love to do as an adult, but doing it in a way that helps kids appreciate it. A lot of people can't wrap their brains around the idea that travel can be just as authentic an experience for young people as it can be for adults. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That's true. Absolutely. Before we get into our final question for you, can you tell us a little bit about uh, where people can find you and learn more about your family? Uh, my main kind of website brand is Wandering Waggers Adventure Family Travel. Uh, you can find me at wanderingwaggers.com or on pretty much any social media channel at Wandering Waggers. That's W-A-G-A-R-S. I also, for those of you who are coming through or living in Ontario, I run uh, another website with uh, a good friend of mine called Ultimate Ontario, and it's all about experiences within the province itself. Thanks, COVID, for helping me get that one started. Please reach out and say hello, because I love to meet new people, and I love to I love to hear your stories as well. And there's going to be links to all of those in the video description below. So we have one more question for you. Do you have any tips for families? who are wanting to get started. And I kind of like to actually specify any families that want to get started with kids who are like getting to kind of like the middle range, almost teenagers, and what it's like to try to get them motivated, moving, motivated and, and like excited to go. Any travel can be exciting for the whole family. People look at travel and say, oh man, we, we're the adults, we have to plan everything. And then our kids are just going to go along and have the best time. But they don't, unless <laughs> you let them get a part of the planning. Let them figure out what it is that they like and plan a trip around it. So one of the things that I love to do is ask my kids every year, what's something that you want to 
experience this year. It could be see an animal. It could be see the pyramids and then make a trip around that. My oldest son, who's absolutely completely obsessed with penguins, said that this year I want to see a penguin. He said, okay, let's let's go and find a place where we can see some penguins. We can't fund a trip to Antarctica for four people. It's it's too expensive. It's where else can we see money. lots lots of penguins? And we found out after doing some research. And Christina came to me and she said, hey, did you know one of the largest colonies of penguins is in Argentina? There's this place in Argentina called Punta Tombo, and it has like a million penguins that live there. Wow. We said, all right, let's let's go to Argentina. We can do Argentina. We made a three-week trip where we went to Iguazu Falls and Buenos Aires and made some side trips into Paraguay and Uruguay and things like that. Spent a day walking around this massive colony of penguins where they're just walking around all over you. There's like boardwalks so you don't walk on the nests and things like that. And they're just strolling between your legs and underneath the bridge and things like that. And he was over the moon happiest kid ever so every year each one gets to pick a trip pick something that what that they want to see and then we schedule something around that in order to make sure that they're excited about the journey and the experience and they can go there and make memories based on what they're excited about because christina and i we're going to love every place that we go because that's just how we how we see travel. It's actually really a very good tip. Then they feel invested in it. Mm-hmm. So that's really nice. It becomes exciting and empowers them to, to kind of fall in love with the concept of travel as well. It has been really awesome to hear all of your stories. And hopefully this is inspiring more families to figure out how to just add travel to their life in whatever capacity that they want to be able to travel. Because it's really nice to kind of hear how families do it in different ways. So I'm inspired. Really cool. Let's go now. Let's go. Okay. But... <laughs> it's so hard. I like that is the one thing about travel that is sometimes challenging. You just that itchy feet like I've gone and now I want to go again and again and again. And uh, having to wait is not my strong suit. I get homesick when I see planes. I feel the same thing. Every time, you know, we live very close to the airport and every time one one flies over, I'm just like, okay, where that's going. I wish. I so thank you so much for joining us, Kevin. It's been really great. Don't forget uh, to comment in the section below that if uh, you have somewhere that you think people should check out and it's just nobody really talks about it, but you think people should check it out, put that in the comments below. Thank you for joining us with interviews, interviews with, with travel, travel families. families.